0: Uh, well, today uh, today I have the uh, the honor uh, and the joy of introducing today's speaker to us all. Uh, Levi Miller is the pastoral assistant assistant at Handong International Church in Pohang. Um, he also serves as a Bible teacher and chaplain uh, at Handong International School. Uh, but as many of you know, if you don't know, uh, we're excited uh, here at Freedom Village Church because... Uh, Levi, uh, his wife, Minji, his daughter, uh, um, Leah, uh, will be actually joining us in August uh, to serve as our family pastor. He's joining our staff, and so um, he'll be primarily responsible um, to to helping us uh, launch a youth ministry here, help oversee our our kids' ministry. Um, He'll likely have his hands in some of our missions work, both overseas and locally, and um, he'll also be joining our, our preaching team um, as well. And so I'm just thrilled uh, to introduce him to you all and to have him here today um, to, for you to meet him uh, for the very first time. And so um, Levi, why don't you come up on the stage? Let's give him a warm welcome. Um, thank him for coming here today.
1: Thank you, Pastor James. It is Father's Day, and I'm actually here with my father and my mother. So that's exciting, it's great. Um, uh, what is, my, my dad, he's, he's worked in Korea and my mother. Uh, we, they worked at Yes before Yes was Yes, when it was ICS Seoul, moved in 1999. And my dad was a Bible teacher for 17 years, pastor for 35 years. And when I grew up, I grew up in a you know, Christian church, Christian school. Everything was Christian, so when I, when I decided, um, what am I going to do with my life? It's like, well, I'm not going to be a Bible teacher, because I'm sick of that. I'm not going to be a pastor, because I'm sick of that. And then I went to Moody Bible Institute, became a Bible teacher, and now going to be a pastor. So thank you, Lord, but I am so happy and um, happy, privileged. Uh, To have grown up in that household uh, with that kind of wisdom and insight daily. Um, Today we're in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. And if we could read that one more time, put it up on the screen. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Do you do have your copy of God's Word, we can read this. This is Proverbs 37 through 9. It says this, Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Let's say a quick prayer, and then we'll get started together. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How should we pray as we seek after godliness? As we seek to live godly lives, what should our prayer lives look like? Um, And specifically here in the book of Proverbs, as Pastor James mentioned last year, how do we live wisely in God's world? And as we do that, how do we pray? Um, And and that's sort of the outline of today's passage. Uh, This dude named Agar. if I ever have a son one day, that will not be the top of the list of the names I choose for my son. Um, But, alas, that is the name of the title, that is the name of the person that this chapter is attributed to, Um, his name's Agar. And there are two, what's going to form our outline is basically the the posture of a godly prayer, a posture of a wise prayer seeking godliness, and the content of a wise prayer seeking godliness. The posture and the content of a wise prayer seeking godliness. As we pursue godly lives, how should we? pray. And today we look at a wise prayer of a weak man. A wise prayer of a weak man. Someone who understands his own limitations and therefore prays accordingly. He understands his own weakness, his own limitations, and prays accordingly. The wise prayer of a weak man. And he prays for two things. I mean, what instantly comes to my mind when I hear that is if I could pray for only two things, what would they be? Um, what's at the top of your list of your most urgent prayers to God? Because today we get, we get a look at somebody who prays for two things. He's considering his whole life, and he says, God, two things. And What would be on your list if you were to pray for just two things? Uh, would it be a raise? Um, would it be a good spouse or a good life, wealth, health? What would be on the top of your list? And today, uh, Agar prays for two things. Uh, First, he prays that God put far from him lies and deception, lies and falsehood. And he also prays um, that God not give him poverty nor riches, um, which I think takes some explanation. Uh, But first, I think we're going to see that if we want to be more like Christ, we should learn to pray more like Agar. And as we seek godliness, how should we pray? Remember, that's the question we're looking to answer today. As we seek godliness, how should we pray? First who is is Agur. Um, if you've never heard the name Agur, it's totally fine. That's because he's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible except for this chapter. So I feel a little bad because uh, Pastor James uh, spent quite a bit of time explaining Solomon, how he wrote all the... And then the first one, the first sermon in the book of Proverbs is rather an anomaly in the book of Proverbs because Solomon didn't write, it's this dude named Agur. Um, but that's fine. Who is Agur? Um, we, I've introduced that I'm going to tell you who Agur is, but then tell you we don't know anything about Agur uh, because nothing's mentioned about Agur in the Old Testament. Um, instead, everything we know about who he is is in this chapter. And I think the truth is the content of our prayers often reveal the character of our hearts. right? And, and today we get a prayer of somebody with, integrity, somebody who understands his own limitations, so we get to learn about who he is based on uh, this chapter here. Um, Some scholars say that this is actually Solomon writing with just using a different name, Um, but I I don't think that's the case because it also mentions that, it also mentions Agra's father, Jaka, uh, in the introduction. And also the style is a bit different from other of Solomon's uh, Proverbs in the book of Proverbs. So I I take it that uh, this is a historical character writing Proverbs chapter 30. Uh, The posture and content of a wise prayer seeking godliness. As we seek to live godly lives, how should we pray? How should we pray? So first, the posture of prayer. The posture of prayer. And there are three principles I, I think that this text points us to. Three principles of prayer that we'll look at briefly. And then we'll look at the content of Agar's prayer. First, Agar prays with humility. Agar prays with humility. He says in verse 7, I ask of you, Lord. He's asking God. He does not come to God assuming that he deserves certain things. Or trying to manipulate God by claiming that he has enough faith therefore deserves or has earned something from God, he simply asks God. Like a child addressing his father, like a slave requesting from a master, or most importantly, like a sinner coming before a holy God. Agar addresses and approaches God in humility. Uh, He says in chapter 30, in verses 2 through 3, just before his prayer, He says, surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Uh, Here he's simply saying that he doesn't have the wisdom of God. Uh, He doesn't have the wisdom of God. He's not a wise person. And he knows that if he wants God's wisdom, it's only going to come from one place. And that is God himself, right? He can't find it anywhere else. He can't find it within himself. He doesn't have it. He needs to ask God. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord, and I know Pastor James discussed this a bit last week, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Agar understands a primary theme of what really what Proverbs is all about, that wisdom comes, true wisdom comes from God alone. True wisdom comes from God alone. And therefore, he comes to God humbly. In verse 4 of chapter 30, he says this. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. This will be explained a bit later. But Agur here is confessing his own limitations in understanding and wisdom and the only hope he has, he knows, the only hope he has for learning to live wisely or learning the skill of wise living in God's world is if he approaches God with a humble posture. And this is indeed how sinful humanity should pray to a holy God in humble submission to him. So the first posture of a wise prayer seeking godliness is humility. Uh, the second is perspective. Perspective. <clears throat> Perspective. Agar says in verse 7, two things I ask of you. Do not refuse me before I die. As Agar thinks about what he needs most in life, he considers his death. As he thinks about what he needs most, he considers his death. He says, Do not refuse me before I die. He doesn't pray for vain, superficial things, but his prayer is heavy with the weight of eternity. Uh, in Psalm chapter 90 verse 12, Psalm 90 verse 12, the psalmist writes, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. An aspect of praying wisely is to pray with proper perspective. And Agar understood that someday he would die. It's going to come soon. He knows that uh, death is coming. Death is sure. Eternity is coming. And therefore he prays what is most pressing on his heart, what is most important instead of uh, more trivial things. Matthew Henry says in his commentary on this text, he says this, In prayer, we should think about death and then pray accordingly. We should think about death and then pray accordingly. We should understand that life is short, death is sure, and eternity is coming. Um, Agra's posture of prayer teaches us really what Matthew chapter 6 commands of us, and that is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Often, when we think of the brevity of life, we keep in view what is most important to eternity. And this was the eternal perspective of Agar as he prays, and we too should pray with eternity in view, not just thinking of the right now, right here, but instead thinking of our life as a whole what is most pressing, what is most important to God. We should pray with proper perspective. Um, So first, the posture of prayer is to pray with humility. Second is to pray with proper perspective. And thirdly, it's to pray with preparation, to be prepared. Because Agra says here, he says, two things I ask of you. He has a list. He has a list of what he wants to request from God. One commentator said this, this prayer is a stern rebuke against any dim word cloud that sits upon one's head calling itself prayer. Um, at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, um, during the basketball preseason, on Saturday mornings, we would uh, go to the gym, and it would be like an open gym time where anybody can come. We'd usually meet the new basketball players that we going to try out for the team, uh, get to know them, and, and we play, we scrimmage. It was a good time. Every Saturday morning and Monday evening. But on Saturday, one Saturday morning, <clears throat> I was doing um, what every good, responsible college student should be doing on a Saturday morning. I was asleep. And when I woke up from my slumber, looked at my phone, and, and, it, and it was buzzing like crazy. People were going crazy. And what had happened was, I looked at my phone and people said, you need to get to the gym now. We are talking to Stephen Curry. If you know anything about basketball, this is about 2014, 2015. He was up and coming. He was a pretty big deal. He said, we are talking to Stephen Curry. Our gym uh, was the largest indoor basketball facilities besides the United Center, which is where the Chicago Bulls play. Therefore, sometimes away teams would come and practice in our gym before they play the Bulls. At this particular time, the Golden State Warriors had come to our gym to practice, and they didn't close the gym. They left it open for us to work out and whatnot. Um, But anywho, I did what any good basketball fan would do when I see that text message. I fell out of bed, got dressed, sprinted the three blocks to the Solheim Center, and got there just in time to watch the bus drive away. So I missed Stephen Curry, but I started to talk to some of my friends that, that did meet Stephen Curry. And of course I said, what'd you say? You met the Stephen Curry. And they said, well, I wish we had known he was coming. I would have brought a pen for him to sign something. I would have found out something to say, right? I wasn't ready to meet Stephen Curry. And we know this is true. We don't go into a job interview without being prepared, without purpose, right? If we're meeting someone significant, uh, we, we come ready with something to say. But how often do we come to the presence of God, ill-prepared and without purpose? Uh, And here, Agar is ready with two things he has to request from God. And I think it would help our prayer lives as well if we came a bit more prepared. If we came ready with a list of things or reasons why God deserves praise. or, or, Or reasons that God deserves our thanksgiving. Or maybe certain requests that are most pressing in our heart. If we made a list and, and were prepared, I think it would do nothing but help our times of prayer. Agra was prepared in prayer. So, the three postures of a wise prayer seeking godliness. First, um, we have humility. Then we have, what was the second one? Oh, it's up there. Perspective. And then we have Preparation. Humility, perspective, and preparation. So that's how Agur prays. Now we get to what Agur prays. The content of Agur's prayer. And he prays basically for two things. Uh, First, to remove deception and temptation. um, And second, to grant him an integrity-filled life. So first, to remove deception and temptation, and second, to grant him an integrity-filled life. One, to remove something, and one, to give something. Right? This is the content of Agur's prayer. So first, he says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And he's saying, in essence, he's saying, Remove from me vanity and lies. Deliver me from sin, from all corrupt principles, practices, and affections, from the love of the world and the things of the world which are all lies. Uh, This prayer of Agur is, of course, echoed in Christ's prayer when he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Nothing is more mischievous than sin. Therefore, there is nothing more pressing in your life to pray for than that God put evil and temptation far from you. And and notice his language. He doesn't say, uh, put it away. He says, put it far from me so that I can't go get it and it can't come get me. It needs to be far from me. He prays with a sense of urgency about this because he understands his own limitations and his own weakness. Uh, One commentator put it like this. Agar desires to have vain thoughts removed from his mind, vain words from his mouth, vain actions from his life and conversation, to have his eyes turned from beholding vanity and his feet from walking in it, And his affections taken off from the vain things of the world, the lusts, pleasures, profits, and honors of it, as well as to be kept from all errors of false doctrine, which are lies and hypocrisy. Agur, conscious of his own weakness and proneness to evil, desires that the Lord would not lead him into temptation, but deliver him from all evil. And as we pursue godliness, we should, as Agur did, pray against anything in our lives, that might block or persuade us from living godly. Whatever sin we might be prone to commit, I mean, we're we're bombarded every day with temptation. How can we not also bombard heaven with our prayers as the temptations come to ask our helper for help? Uh, something else that this text teaches us is that commitment to truth is essential for godly living. Commitment to truth is essential for godly living. He knows that if he wants to live godly, what comes hand in hand is to be committed to godly truth. Committed to godly truth. He says in verses 5 through 6 of chapter 30, he says this, every word of God proves true. Every word of God proves true. He understands the purity and the power of of God's word. And that's really consistent in all of scripture. I mean, you can start uh, in, in chapter one of Genesis, where God is creating the creation account, right? Where God looks at nothing, He steps out on nothing, He speaks to nothing, and then something appears, right? The power of God's word. We get to Isaiah chapter 40, where Isaiah writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that all flesh is grass and the desires of the flesh are like the flowers of the field. Those things fade away, but the word of our God endures. Forever, And then in the book of Hebrews, it says that God's word is like a two-edged sword that's sharp enough to, to convict the heart and to convict the soul. And then uh, in the book of 1 Timothy, um, Paul says, I'm in chains, but the word of God is unchained. Right? The power and the purity and the everlasting nature of God's holy word. And there's no pursuit of godliness that is even remotely possible without a commitment to his word And I think that's something that Agra understood well. Uh, In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then he says in a prayer, John chapter 17, verse 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. A godly life requires a commitment to the truth. And as we pray, we should pray against anything that might hinder our pursuit of his truth. Uh, Agar also wrote, uh, as we just read previously, do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Uh, It could be that Agar was also concerned with people around him that were using the scriptures of the Torah for their own benefit. That were adding things, taking away, that were twisting it to say something it actually doesn't mean And Agra was concerned that he might be deceived of this. And I think this should be at the top of our list in our our prayer lives as well, that we not be deceived by anyone that might be teaching God's word, that might be twisting it in a certain way, or maybe listening to certain music that twists God's word in a certain way, not just for ourselves, but for our church as well. Pray that our church is protected um, by God from any deception of God's word that might infiltrate the church. And that's, I think, on Agra's heart as well. He desperately wants to walk in truth and therefore prays that he will not be deceived by any presentation of the truth in such a way that undermines its very meaning. Um, So that's that's number one. First, to remove deception and temptation far from him. Uh, But also, to grant an integrity-filled life. To grant an integrity-filled life. When Agur says, keep falsehood and lies far from me, um, I think there's also a sense in which Agur, he doesn't want to become someone that is a liar. He doesn't want to be deceived, but he also doesn't want to deceive. Um, he doesn't want to be one thing before others, before people, that he isn't before God. He wants to be, he wants to have integrity. He wants to have integrity. And we too can get in the habit of presenting in front of others what we are not before God. Um, I know especially... If you have grown up in the church, you work at a Christian school, everything around you um, is, is Christian church, right? It has Christian influence. Um, it is possible when certain sins come up in your life to say, okay, I'm going to put that back. I'm just going to hide it instead of bring it to the light because we want to save face. And that can be an extremely dangerous thing, especially in today's world um, when we're seeing leaders left and right, leaders in the church uh, that are falling into sin and it's affecting so many around them we need to be careful and live lives of integrity as well. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9 says this. Proverbs 10, verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Uh, we should be careful of presenting before others what we really are not. Uh, we should pray against temptations that might lead us to compromise our integrity. Um, as we seek godliness, we should pray that we won't be deceived but also that we won't deceive others, whatever that might look like for you. We, we should pray that God remove anything in our lives that might block our pursuit of godliness. Uh, now, the next request of Agar is that God give him neither, God don't give him poverty, and don't give him riches. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Um, otherwise, I, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. Uh, basically, he's saying, don't give me anything that might damage my integrity or lead me down a path of unrighteousness. First, he says, give me neither poverty. Well, that's an understandable prayer. I don't think any of us in here has ever prayed that God make us poor. Right? That's an understandable prayer from Agar. But Agra says, don't give me poverty. And his request is not financial. It is spiritual and ethical in nature. Uh, He says, or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonor the name of my God. Poverty and riches are morally neutral. But in both camps, there are temptations to sin that do exist. And this is the concern of Agra's heart. He knows his own limitations. He knows his own weakness. He says, if you make me poor... Those temptations will come and I'm not sure. If you make me rich, those temptations will come and I'm not sure. Uh, Notice the connection as well between stealing and dishonoring God's name. Obviously, stealing is sin. Um, But beyond that as well, uh, when when we do steal, we are declaring to the world um, that God either can't provide for me or he won't provide for me. Uh, So it's a pretty big deal and it dishonors God's name um, when theft occurs, Agar knows the tendency of his own heart, and he asks God not to make him poor so that he will not be tempted to steal. Uh, the priority of Agar's request is his relationship with the Lord. The priority of his, his request is relationship with God. And then he says, Nor riches. He says, Neither poverty nor riches. Uh, now, Agar, we can understand not praying. poverty, but riches, too much man, way too far. Uh, But you need to notice the reason he prays against riches in his life. He says in verse 9, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? He doesn't want to be tempted in his material wealth to say, I don't need God. I have everything I need already. And therefore, because he knows his own tendency to do that, he says, don't give me riches, Uh, In Job chapter 1, we see a conversation between um, God and Satan. And and Satan tells God, he says, hey, you see this guy Job? He's super righteous. Uh, But if you take away what you've given to him, he'll stop following you. Uh, He was right, he was wrong about Job. But I think Satan was right about many that claim to follow God. Uh, Some claim to follow God or follow God because of what he can give them. What they think he can give them. And as soon as those things are lifted, they don't want anything to do with God anymore. Uh, There are many that are finished with God when they get what they want from Him. Uh, They only follow Him because of what they think they can get out of Him. I may become full and say, who is the Lord? Why do I need God? I have everything I need already. Um, And we know this to be true. I mean, when life is going poorly, that's usually when we pray the most. When life is going well, Sometimes we're not praying as much. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses, um, he tells the people of Israel as they're moving into the promised land. He says, don't forget God when you're in the promised land, right? Don't forget how you got to the promised land. He got you through the wilderness. He provided for you along the way. He got you out of Egypt. Don't forget God when life gets good. And of course, I think that's, that's, a, that's a call for us as well. When things are going well, we need to not forget That God provides everything that we have. That we have nothing that has not been given graciously to us by our Father. Agar writes, give me neither poverty nor riches. D.L. Moody wrote, Getting riches brings cares. Keeping riches brings trouble. Abusing riches brings guilt. And losing riches brings sorrow. And it's a big mistake when we make too much of riches. Uh, It's extremely true. And today in our culture, I think we make way too much of material wealth and material riches, even in the church. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Yet we're so easily convinced that all we need is more. Uh, my wife and I, and our hearts are bent this way. My, w- my wife and I, were looking, we were looking for apartments. You know, we're scrolling through. And we're looking um, around our price range, right? So we're looking through. But sometimes as you're looking through, scrolling through, uh, apartments will sneak in there that are way above our price range. You know, <laughs> they have like five, six bedrooms. Don't know what you do with that. Five, six bedrooms, you know, three bathrooms. Some of them are two stories high you know, the guy like your own private roof, but you can't, you can't resist just clicking on it and looking at it, right? So you click on I, I click on it, I look at it, and then as I'm looking at it, I start to imagine myself living in that apartment. There ain't no way I'm gonna live in that apartment. Ain't no way probably for the rest of my life I'm gonna live in that apartment, which is totally fine, right? But you start to look at it, I start to imagine myself living in it, and then my heart just starts to desire that lifestyle automatically, and I think our hearts are bent toward this. We want more and more and more. And the danger is, when we do have enough, we might say, who needs God? I don't need him anymore. I have everything I already need. And that's the concern of Agur's heart here. Our hearts are bent toward wanting more and can easily fall into the temptation of idolizing material wealth. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The temptation uh, we can fall into when we have enough is to say, Why do I need God if my stomach is full? Why do I need God if my bills are paid? Uh, So, how should we pray as we seek to live godly? Uh, First, the posture of a wise prayer seeking godliness are three things. Humility, perspective, and preparation. And second, the content of a wise prayer seeking godliness is that God remove any temptation and deception from our lives and that God grant us an integrity-filled life. And I want to close with this. If the praise team would please come up. I'm going to close with reading Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. And it says this Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. And of course, these questions are rhetorical. Uh, But there is a series of questions, but one answer. right? And we know the name of the one uh, that this is referring to. In fact, he has many names. His name is El Shaddai, Lord Almighty. His name is Adonai, the Lord our Master. His name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. His name is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is peace and gives peace. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. And of course, we know him on this side of the cross as Emmanuel, God with us. And actually, the last question that Agar asks in this series of questions is, what is his son's name? And even though this was penned 700 years before Christ came, we know his son's name. His son's name is Jesus Christ who has come to reconcile us to the Father. And with him, we have the hope of eternal life if you put your faith in him. And we have that blessed hope That relationship that was once broken between God and man can now be reconciled through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So now I'm going to close in prayer and we'll end here today.